MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official Challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic Gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast to start listening. Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. If you want to listen live, all you have to do is download the iHeartRadio app and search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Also, if you want to catch this show on video, be sure to check out Zumo TV, channel 719. That's where you can find SportsGrid's Fantasy Sports Network. Enjoy the show, and thanks so much for listening. Hello again, everybody. Welcome to yet another edition of In Game Live right here on SportsGrid. I'm Dane Martinez, and today we are joined by my main man, Kevin Walsh. Let me tell you something. Nobody was more plugged in during the draft, during our, what, I don't know, Kevin, 10, 11, 12 fortnight of coverage for the NFL draft. Let me, first of all, because I haven't had a chance to really talk Mm -hmm. to you since then, so we've got plenty to discuss here on In-Game Live. First of all, what did you think about the experience? And by experience, I mean our coverage and being able to follow something in-game live for the first time in a long time, given this pandemic that we are in. It was the best. It was the best thing. I was the happiest I've been, I felt. It was (laughs) just... Like, because the thing is, like, yeah, it was a virtual draft, which was real, but I personally, it doesn't add to my experience watching Joe Burrow walk across the stage. Right. Like, you know what I mean? So the red still, fountain. Ex- yeah, like, that's it just, it doesn't make the difference to me. So it just felt like a normal draft night. And, you know, it was so fun to do the coverage that we did here on the sports grid. I was really, really proud of everything uh, that everybody came together and put together. You Mike and Ariel holding it down for as long as you did on air. Of course, Greg and Joe behind the scenes and all the guests that we had. It was a blast, man. It was so fun. And I think one of the things, too, is, like, it it, it had me extra interested throughout the process because, like, you know, I was personally signed the NFC East. Right. So even on, on day three, which we didn't go live for, but I was like, oh, these are my teams. Like, how are we doing? How, how, how's, how the squad's doing? How's everybody uh, holding it together, kind of? And, I mean, it was it was really cool. You know, I saw some people feeling like they preferred the virtual draft to the normal draft, I I get it. And like I said, it doesn't make the difference to me. I just think that that is almost a selfish way to look at it because that moment to walk across that stage does mean so much to those kids. At least I think it does. Maybe it doesn't. And if that's the case, then sure, like I'm cool with virtual. Um, but overall, I I really, really enjoyed the whole thing. Yeah, absolutely, Kevin. And listen, you and I were both here on SportsGrid doing kind of videos before the draft, you know, pinpointing team needs. So I'm with you. I was watching day three thinking like, oh, these teams that I projected, are they going to at least draft a position group that I said was one of their needs? You know, how are these teams doing? Am I going to get plus or am I going to really like what some of them did? It was certainly a unique experience, Kevin. And I wanted to ask you about that because Mm – A lot of people are saying that, you know, this virtual draft, you're talking about versus like the pump and circumstance that has been the roadshow of the NFL draft in the last 
few years. Listen, I'm old enough to remember when it was just like guys around the phone at Radio City Music Hall, and it was just like the annual selection meeting, right? Now it has become this crazy fan fest. I think sure. in Tennessee previous years, they had almost half a you know, million people come through. So the NFL is not going to lose any of that potential revenue. But part of this, I do think they can carry forward. It really humanized, in my opinion, a lot of the NFL draft. You know, we saw guys, GMs, coaches, and their front office guys in their houses, you know, high-fiving their kids when they made some picks. Even the commissioner, I think, was personalized and humanized in a way that he never has been before. And we saw some crazy stuff, right, Kevin? I mean, everything mm -hmm. from... Bill Belichick's dog, to Cliff Kingsbury's crib, to Jerry Jones's yacht, uh, to like Vrabel's kids in masks. <laughs> Which of those elements do you think were the best? And like, do you think part of this, how would they do some of this virtual drafting in years forward? Because you know teams want to get together in a war room. What elements do you think have legs here for the NFL? So I'll say this, right? You and I are probably going to maybe talk some winners and losers from the draft. The biggest winner of them all is Roger Goodell. It's, yeah. it's, it's the nicest people have right. been to Roger Goodell his entire tenure, it feels like. Like, I even was talking to him like, yeah, good old Raj, man, chilling on the show. I've never called him Raj. I've never, I'm like, ah, you know what I mean? Like, it was yeah. just, it was one of those things that was just endearing. And like, it was. High on Thursday, then to the sweater, then to the, the t-shirt. Wardrobe changes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It was, it was good, man. It was, it was really good. I mean, overall, like, I, I think the ability to kind of go into some of the prospects' house and, and just being able to see kind of how, excited they were and get to be around their families. It, it was in a way even um, humanizing to see their part. Like I said, I think them being able to walk that stage means a lot, but also like if, if the circumstances were a bit different and they would have been able to have the full amount of family and friends that they would have wanted, right? Because obviously it was limited how many they could have there. Right. I, I think that it's, I think it's, if, if the players are cool with it, I think that it's more than a fine way to go. Overall, I think you want to be able to have, uh, your analysts in studio together as much as possible, right? And I think, you know, we can kind of speak to that a little bit from from what we did. It's just a little bit easier communication-wise and to make sure that you are as buttoned up as possible. But, I mean, even one of the my favorite things that came out of this was the crossover from ESPN and the NFL Network. The because yeah, Michael yeah, Irvin. I, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was a lot of fun. And I think Daniel Jeremiah is a guy getting, you know, him and Lewis Reddick are two of my favorites in the business. And being able to just listen to those two bounce ideas off one another was a real treat. So, yeah, I think that there's a couple of things that they can definitely move forward with. Yeah, absolutely. I think you make a good point here. And obviously hearing those guys, you know, but Kevin, everybody has the volume here on Sports Grid listening oh, to absolutely. down picks, including in the NFCs. Like, I haven't been able to talk to you since then. And you're right. We definitely will talk a little bit about draft winners, draft losers, and more importantly, how we can make some money off of it here on In-Game Live. That's what we do here on Sports Grid. But I want to give a chance to talk about some of the draft headlines that actually happened, right. not necessarily kind of, you know, the photo bombing that happened or Roger Goodell. Um we have to start with the quarterback position, right? It yeah. is the biggest position in all of sports. And the biggest headline from the NFL draft was, you know, the Green Bay Packers selection of maybe the heir apparent at quarterback, right? Going up to get Jordan Love. I'd love to get your thoughts. For me, there's two things that we're trying to balance here. I understand the idea of secession planning. I understand the idea of developing someone like Jordan Love and kind of being in that context. Listen, Aaron Rodgers did so himself, right? So I completely understand it. My question for you, Kevin, is do you do that when you're kind of close Right? Do you do that when you're kind of close? You were in the NFC Championship game. Maybe one more toy for Aaron Rodgers could get it done. And the window is still open when you have your Hall of Fame quarterback, even at 85, 90% of what he is in his prime. So how do you balance the two of, you know, like sustained team construction mm -hmm. with, you know, kind of being within arm's reach? I get the idea, but I get the idea if they were 8-8. Eight and eight. They were in the NFC Championship game last year, Kevin. Yeah, so that's really the tough thing, right? Like, you always want to be at the forefront. At the end of the day, the Packers in an ideal world, right, from, from, from their mindsets, they want to be in the playoff on every year. And the way to do that is to have your quarterback position shored up. But there's also a timeline that you need to follow. I mean, let's play best-case scenario here with Jordan Love. Right. If Jordan Love is ready to go after one year sitting on the bench, 
You have so much more money next to Aaron Rodgers. You probably can't do that. Okay, so now we have yeah. to have at least two years of Jordan Love, at least two years of Jordan Love on the bench. You're still not really close to where you need to be to move on from Aaron Rodgers. In fact, like you're probably going to get to three, four years before you even get a game out of Jordan Love. And here's where they've really, really hurt themselves. And, and, and this is solely from the Jordan Love point. There's the whole Aaron Rodgers thing. Gotcha. The most important thing, right, with these rookie quarterbacks is their yeah. contract. The ability to take advantage of the fact that they, they are cheap. Exactly. <laughs> it's the most valuable thing in football. It's the most Russell Wilson. See exhibit B, Patrick Mahomes. Yes. See exhibit C, Lamar Jackson. Even even exhibit D, the Eagles, Carson Wentz was on a rookie contract, and it allowed them to have a pick to pay enough for a good backup quarterback and it folds. It is consistently the most important thing in football, and you're wasting valuable years of that by having Jordan Love sit there behind Aaron Rodgers. And I think this is sometimes as a team you can fall in love with things that were just completely once in a lifetime things, and the move from Favre to Rodgers is the exception. It is far right from the norm and this is where they, they completely lost me even when you t- talk about the draft and totality this was a team that was in the nfc championship game yeah and they didn't really grab anybody right that you go okay yeah like I, that's an instant impact i mean round two like that's, the debate of running back value that's the right, big like, one for me you could have gone back to the well there in the second round and gotten the wide receiver then you go and get aj Dillon, who i don't know that his style translate to the 2020 NFL very well, and you've already got two backs. Are you doing the same thing because you think Jamal Williams is a goner after this year? Fine, but then again, you are so close, and it wasn't necessarily the position of need. Now, okay, Jordan Love may be this next coming, okay, and you think you can coach him to that, fine. But then you also struck out, in my opinion, on the second round pick, Kevin. Yeah, 100%. And let's even pretend it was DeAndre Swift that they got at 62. It's great value. But it wasn't a pressing need. Aaron Jones was very good for that team last year. Right. And this is why I think overall, again, like, because when you give it, when people give out draft grades, right, it's, it's a very, you're like, oh, boys, we don't know what's going to turn out. Jordan Love can turn out to be the franchise quarterback of the Packers. And I will still feel very confident that this was a terrible draft for them because they were in the NFC Championship game, but very obviously not in the tier of that Niners team. They played him twice. Yeah. They got slapped around by him twice so they needed to add talent to pull closer to the Niners and pull away from the rest of the north they're now much closer to the rest of the north and they're going to be battling it out in what is a very very deep NFC yeah I hear you Kevin now listen I also know you are an Eagles fan right and so in some ways I'd like to juxtapose what the Eagles did in the draft with what the Packers did in the draft, right? In both cases, you have an entrenched franchise quarterback and you spend a a premium draft pick on the quarterback position. But I have a few differences here, making me actually like what Philadelphia did in a lot better way than what Green Bay did. Here's the thing. First of all, Carson Wentz has an availability issue, as we've seen. You know, I hate to put the injury-prone label on him with some kind of catastrophic plays, but we've seen the value. Nick Foles took him to a Super Bowl. They were relying on McCown in a playoff game last year. So I understand the need to kind of get that insurance policy. Plus, Jalen Hurts can do a lot more on the field as a rookie than Jordan Love will. I can imagine some packages, maybe 10, 12 plays, third down, red zone, some crazy, you know, zone read with a wrinkle behind it. I can understand, and I trust Peterson to be creative in that way, right? But here's the other thing for me, and we just talked about it kind of with the indictment on the Packers in their second and other picks. The Philadelphia Eagles also have a need at the wide receiver position, Kevin. But they went out and addressed it, right? Rager in the first round, I personally like Jefferson better, but okay. Then they go out with a number of lower round picks at the wide receiver position, and they make a trade with the San Francisco 49ers to get, you know, veteran track star Marquise Mm -hmm. Good. So I have a little bit less shade to throw to Philly, right? Because I can see what they're maybe doing, see a value for Jalen Hurts in the short term. And they did at least keep their eye on the ball, addressing their needs. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. I mean, at the end of the day, like Philly's wide receiver core, if I told you at the end of the draft, that's what they came away with. You'd be like, yeah, that's, they did a successful job addressing that position. Before we even, like, my one qualm was that Christian Fulton was on the board. 
who I was personally high on. And that was, that was something that was really involved with my instant reaction of disliking that pick. But one of the, one of the interesting things, and I, and I want to bounce this off you because it's something that I think is a really interesting point when it just comes to the entire sport uh, of football, but particularly the NFL itself. I mean, yeah. like the quarterback is the most important thing in the whole world. It's not even close. Like, it's what's the second most important position in football? I don't know. I don't care. I know quarterback is one. And it has always been a bit bizarre to me that teams have no interest in securing a good backup quarterback. The fact that, you know, I don't want to, you know, but team A goes out there, their starter gets hurt, and you go, ah, that's the season. Right. And, you're, and everybody's just comfortable with that has always been a bit bizarre to me, you, you know, and – I think this is the thing for the Philadelphia Eagles, and they know it better than any team else, what a valuable backup quarterback can do. And they won a Super Bowl with Nick Foles. Now, I'm not telling you Jalen Hurts is going to win a Super Bowl, but I think that Jalen Hurts is an upgrade on Josh McCown. And I'll go a step further. I think that I'd rather have Jalen Hurts than Chase Daniels. And Jalen Hurts isn't going to come close to a million dollars in cap hit. And Chase Daniels is making four times that in Detroit. And the thing is, if Stafford went down, Nobody's going Chase Daniels is saving the season. He's just this career backup who gets money right. for really no reason. And I think something as well that you added to, and it was another thing that helped me like this pick, was the fact that Hertz is a 90 percentile plus athlete yep. that can be used on the field in a number of ways. But the main thing to me is I think valuing the backup quarterback position. Yeah. I think Wentz is more – he has bad injury luck more so than injury prone. At the end of the day, he's still getting hurt. And I think to value the backup quarterback position in the second round with a guy who I think is very talented, it is not all that egregious. Yeah, I agree with you. You know, listen, last year, Kevin, something like 18 or 19 franchises had to go to QB2 for at least a game last year. So if you have designs on being a true contender, you can't that happen right on any given play your quarterback gets concussed and he's out for two weeks you can't have that be the difference of you qualifying for the playoffs or not you mentioned Nick Foles listen last season Teddy Bridgewater goes five and oh for the New Orleans Saints right I mean we saw for a little stretch there even Kyle Allen for Carolina holding the ship down. Mahomes missed time yeah Mahomes missed time as well listen it, I counted it was literally like set it was above 50 percent Kevin yeah. it was above 50%. The other thing with the Hurts pick, I, I agree with you, this idea of, you know, the back pocket needing the backup quarterback. I also like the route that he can do other things. And we're start if you can kind of kill two birds with one stone, have that insurance policy, but also have a package for him. And whether it's a Taysom Hill, whether it's, listen, and you're plugged into this with the draft, the Raiders drafted the quarterback from Kentucky to play out a wide receiver position. Even yeah. the Miami Dolphins took a flyer on Malcolm Perry, the Navy quarterback, sure. and do sure. all of things, I think that is becoming more and more in vogue. I thought versatility was a theme of the draft. Not only these players, you know, the running back wide receiver out of Memphis, Gibson, that can play a lot of different roles. And even on the defensive side of the ball, Kevin, we talked about Isaiah Simmons. Oh, what's his position? His position is playmaker, damn it. You know, and, and I think that is starting to even happen on the defensive side of the ball. I'll tell you what. It's great talking about some of these headlines with you. When we are on the other side of the break, we are going to talk a little bit about our draft winners and losers. And I want to get your opinion on the quarterbacks that actually went through with the draft. You know, Joe Burrow goes number one, but then the essential question was Tua Tagovailoa and Justin Herbert, right? Do you think they wound up in places that will benefit their development do you think one, two, or three of them will be under center in week one? And how long will it be before the baton is passed to these rookies? And what does it mean for those three offenses? We talk more NFL draft takeaways with Kevin Walsh right here on In Game Live. Dave Martinez and Kevin Walsh. We will break down the quarterbacks that were drafted, talk about some other headlines that happened in the draft, and then see the impact in the betting markets on the NFL draft. Because it's one thing to talk about it, Kevin. I kind of want to make some money. It's been an entire <laughs> I've been staying at home. I've still got bills to pay. I can't wait for the government stimulus check anymore, Kevin. We need mm -hmm. one of our own. That's what we are going to do for all of our friends, our listeners, our viewers, whether you're in New York, Atlanta, or the West Coast. That's what we're going to do. Make you some money here on a Sunday. 
Come on back. It's in-game live. Dane and Kevin breaking it down, giving you the edge. Get on the grid. It's sportsgrid.com. DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build and optimize lineups for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And guess what? So are we. Just in case you forgot, I'm Tori Deal. I'm a six-time finalist and a Challenge champion. And I'm Anissa Ferrer, and I've been gracing your screens for the last two decades. I am a veteran challenger and Challenge All-Star. And speaking of All-Stars, All-Stars 4 is finally here. I'm going to be honest. I literally thought this day was never going to come. Well, the challenge gods have answered our prayers and we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, redemption seekers, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. Anyone can win, relationships matter, and only one all-star will claim the title of challenge champion. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. And recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rock the baby to sleep and slam dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry. Back to Iguodala. Up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back, everybody, to In Game Live right here on SportsGrid. Dane Martinez and Kevin Walsh taking you around the world of sports. Mostly the draft, breaking it down and seeing how we can win some money off of it. Which reminds me, Kevin, you know, the draft was kind of the only game in town for the sports mm-hmm. investor, right, over the last couple of weeks. I know I actually did pretty good, but I went with the theory of I went not uh, quantity in my bets. I basically emptied the account twice and only twice and I did them twice on minus 300 bets and they both came in so I went 2-0 and oh, and I laid you know like more than my usual unit on them but right. heavy juice how'd you do in the draft so it was it was a, a little frustrating for me because I had been tracking the draft for a while but I'm here in New York uh, so I didn't really have the chance to to kind of get to Jersey of course and there were a number of bets that I was following I was watching I'm like those are my favorite and there's a number of picks that I had basically given out on Twitter um, or on videos here. And those did very, very well. Good. But I financially didn't have any of them. You capitalized on your no, own? No. That was sure. the issue with the, with the whole process. And basically, it was one of those things. And you know how it goes, man. You're like, ah, you know what? I'm not going to bet it. I'm not going to bet it. And the day comes, and you're like, you throw a couple in. And you, 
Yeah, you start, plus, you start plus money hunting, too. Yeah. And you're like, oh, wow. So I'm the schmuck that went 0-3 but gave out 10 winners. That's yeah. good. <laughs> Listen, you know here on the network, I do a lot of fantasy talk as well. It'll happen that, like, I'll give out on my show, these are the waiver wire guys you need to add. And then, like, I see that they are available in my league and I don't pull the trigger on them myself. They come back to beat me the next week, you know, yeah. in my matchup. So trust me, I understand. I opened it on Jets going offense in the first round. Because uh, mm-hmm. I knew they were lineman or wide receiver. And then um, I emptied it on Cole Kmet being the first tight end. That was the one we talked about. I was like, oh, I got to do with this one, right? The I, gap? Yeah. yeah, the gap from him was, to the next tight end was crazy. It was crazy. Um, and then I, I had to sweat one last one out. I had the over-under on Javon Kinlaw. It was at 13 and a half, and he went 14 overall. Yeah, Amazing. Out by half a spot. And it is very interesting. It was the only game in town. And it's sort of a sharp market. I am going to be very interested to see, Kevin, you know, what this means next year. What do you think about that next year? Will the books hang the same kind of amount of props? Will it still be in as in-depth or not? Because, you know, there's exposure there potentially for the books. And, you know, there'll be the NBA playoffs going on. So that's really, really interesting. I, I think that a lot of people, though, now, like, I love betting the draft. Like, right. I think there's a lot of people now who are, who are, like, obsessed with the idea. But it is also somewhat prisoner of the moment. Like, talk to me in a year, and we'll see if you're as excited as I feel like you and I probably are on a yearly basis to break down the draft. You know what I mean? Because now, next year, fingers crossed, we got baseball and NBA playoffs on. You know, it's a whole – Playoffs. Of course, hockey, yeah. Um, and, and so that'll be interesting uh, to see kind of how – invested people are kind of in that same exact way but you know it, it was really really cool to see people love the the draft as much as they did this year even from the betting angle. I mean for me like I've been following the draft so closely but this was the year where I was the most focused with with betting perspectives and you know one of the, one of the more rewarding things though was on the mock draft video that I was able to do for the channel um I gave out three bets in that video and every single one of them won that's awesome um, so, so, you know what I mean? And that was, you know, beginning of April. So that was a little far out. And I'm like, you know, it was cool to see, like, the ability to combine the two things and the winners and things of that nature. So, um, man, I, I love the draft process. I thought it was a lot of fun. And I, I think that, you know, maybe not as much, you know, people will be on it next year. But I think there's going to be a lot of people who are like, yeah, the draft is a must-bat event. You got to think because, listen, if you can wade through the smoke screens, right, and kind of follow the right beat reporters and have your finger on the pulse, I think there is money to be made. And that's why everybody here watches in-game live here on Sports Grid. So let's get into it. You know, one of the, one of the biggest movements that I saw was kind of like where people thought Tua was going to wind up. Remember, his profit was like pick two and a half. It went yes. then all the way to five yes. and a half at one point. So this brings me to the three quarterbacks, you know, that went at the top of round one. Obviously, Joe Burrow goes to Cincinnati, Tua lands in Miami, where they've been hashtag tanking for Tua for the better part of two years. And then Justin Herbert winds up in the Chargers. Which of those picks did you like the best? Which do you think is more set up for success? So before we even break down the picks, there's something that's really, really stood out to me. Um, because it's something that, that you and I talked about quite a bit, and it was something that was really a part of trying to figure out where these guys were going to go. And it mainly centered around Tua, and it was whether the Dolphins would trade up for him or whether wow. the Chargers would trade up, and they didn't. Mm-hmm. And I thought back to last year, and the Giants didn't have to trade up any higher. They stood at six, and they got Daniel Jones. Right. And then the Redskins stayed put at, I think it was 17? Something something in that range. Yeah. And got Dwayne Haskins. And in years past, when the quarterbacks went, you go, oh, I got to get up. But it was almost like, no, call your bluff. You're not drafting a quarterback. I'll sit right here. You have a team need just like we have a team need. And it's so stupid that every year, just because our team needs more important, we have to trade up. Nobody's coming up to get the quarterback. And that's how it played out. And it really makes me wonder, like, you know, People people kind of were talking this year um, about, like, man, like, the 2021 pick could be so valuable. That first overall pick, like, you have Trevor Lawrence, like, you know, you sell it for this king's ransom. And it makes me wonder if a team that is picking in that slot – let's just say the Bengals are the, are the number one uh, pick again next year. Right. Like they're not picking Trevor Lawrence. But right. are they going to be in a position where they have to take – the best player on the board, like the Oregon tackle, you know, or is it going to be a situation where they aren't able to trade out for that King's ransom? 
that was something that really jumped out to me is that they were able to stay at five and six and both get quarterbacks, their guys. So here's the thing. And I think you make a very astute point and how in this year teams could kind of stand pat and, and, and still be okay. Right. And in other years we see trades like going crazy. Right. You know, yeah. I mean, uh, both the Eagles and the Rams traded up to go get Wentz and Goff in that year, for example. Right. Um, the, the, the Chiefs traded up to get Mahomes. The Jets traded up to get Sam Darnold. We see that a lot. For me, Kevin, and I think, I don't think there's any trend per se. I think each year is a different animal, and it's just a game of musical chairs and supply and demand. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Like, if the amount of QB stud prospects are equal or are greater than the number of obvious quarterback needy teams, right? Mm -hmm. Then there's enough of a market that teams can take that calculated risk of standing pat and letting it fall, right? Yeah. However, if there is like, let's say there were two more teams out there. Let's say Matthew Stafford decided to retire. Let's say Matt Ryan got hit by a bus. <laughs> you know, then all of a sudden, <laughs> all of a sudden uh, there's more competition in the market. And I think that's what necessitates it. Also, remember, this year, even if you struck out in the quarterback market, you also had guys like Cam Newton, Jameis Winston, and as we now know, Andy Dalton behind door number two. So I think it's a supply and demand game um, on each distinct year based on how many teams are in the QB market. And as you know, this year, unlike any other, really, we've had so many options out there for quarterbacks, even in the Phillip Rivers, Tom Brady, free agency route, Teddy Bridgewater out, there, you know, uh, quarterbacks switching teams that we didn't necessarily expect. So I think it saturated the market, which gave a team like the Chargers, let's say, they ain't got to spend an asset to move up. If Herbert's there for me, fine. If not, I'll pick up the phone and call Cam. So options are a beautiful thing. And that's how I think it fell through. Yeah, I, th I, think, I think you're spot on, actually. I think that that's a really, really good point. Um... And it, it was it was something that jumped out yeah. to me, but I, you know, I think, and, and also too, it also depends right on the quarterback prospects. If the Bengals were yeah. willing to move that pick, right, it would have been a different ball game. There's trades coming, I think, in for Joe Burrow. To go back to uh, your original question, sure. um, you yeah. know what's really funny? I we did the mock draft, and you yeah, thought the Chargers yeah, were going to go kind of win now with their pick, yep. and I was thinking it wasn't going to go that way. I don't know how you feel now, but I have. It's it's just it's one of those things. Hurry though, the exact position I was thinking yeah. about, Simmons, and they were like, "No, let's get the one guy at that position." Mm -hmm. so I think they kind of did both, Kevin. If it's, you but it was so it was so funny though for me is I had this post draft clarity. I went, "Oh, they shouldn't have done that. They should have gone win now." I really like. They should sign. They should have signed Cam and used that sixth selection to either draft one of the big tackles or Isaiah Simmons or whatever it may be. Like, it was one of those things. And maybe it's because I'm not super high on Justin Herbert, or maybe it's because I'm actually really impressed by the roster that they have, and I think yeah. they could actually compete if they put together a win-now team. But that was something that it caught me by surprise because I was expecting him to go to the Chargers. He did. And then I went, oh, I don't like that as much. Yeah, it's interesting, really. And we were talking about it on some level, right, Kevin, with the Green Bay Packers, right? That idea of go for the future now. How yeah. close are you? It's a real balance, especially at the quarterback position. Now, listen, you know, we've been in here for about half an hour already, and we have yet to mention the number one overall pick, Joe Burrow, who yeah. goes to the Cincinnati Bengals after lighting LSU and college football ablaze last year and route to a championship and a Heisman Trophy. Here's my premise, though, Kevin. Mm -hmm. It's not only about the quarterback. You know, and Joe Burrow may have all the skills required. For me, it's about still everything else around you. And that's not only, you know, your skill position players, your offensive line. It's also the coaching staff, right? Some of, some of these situations, organizations, it don't matter what level of talent you have. It can really stunt a career or vice versa if you get in the right situation. I don't know about Zach Taylor just yet. I also know that this organization did not really address the offensive line in the draft in the way I thought they should for a team who had their quarterback sacked 48 times. So like Burrow could be amazing, but if he's running for his life or if mm -hmm. Zach ain't the dude then what does it matter so talk to me about that do you think it's all joe burrow or zach taylor do you think he is set up for success it's an awesome point zach taylor's really young so when you make that kind of hire like the Bengals did 
I mean, you really should be giving him five years. You should be giving him a very, very long leash. And right. it's hard to say if they will. They might want – you know, and it's funny because you look at the skill positions of the Bengals, and there's a lot to like there. But past that, it's, it's a lot less impressive. And I thought – you know, my brother and I were really laughing about it. Like, he was like, did they just go with a luxury pick at 33 by taking T. Higgins? Yes. And it's like, they I did. think they did. Yes. They did. Said it on air. I said it on air. They still could have went offensive lineman. They ultimately yeah. went linebacker, I think, the next two picks. But they have A.J. Green coming back. Tyler Boyd emerged a little bit. John Ross, if he could get off his island, can still be there. But, yeah, they went wide receiver when I don't think they needed to. I understand getting toys for the kid. But look at what Miami did by contrast, right? They went out with their next pick. Boom, offensive lineman Austin Tack, uh, Jackson out of USC. I thought about that in a very similar way. Let me ask you this, though, um, as it relates to Tua and then Herbert, right? You were talking sure. about um, Herbert uh, with the Chargers, but now as a win-now team, right? We also know that given the context with coronavirus and how, well, however, the curve is flattened or not and how we come back to working together in this country. Um, what do you think is under center for the Chargers as we start? We have odds on these sorts of things. Yes, yes, yes. And right now, Terod Taylor is the favorite at mm -hmm. minus 70. I see Justin Herbert at plus 260. And it's the essential push and pull. You don't draft a kid with the top 10 pick overall and not expect him to start. He may be behind the eight ball because he can't practice with his team. We've heard Anthony Lynn say he's bullish on Terod Taylor. Are you laying minus 370 to bet Terod Taylor's under center week one? I have no interest in laying minus 370, but I uh, would anticipate it being Tyrod because right. how much Lynn likes him. And I know they took Herbert, but that felt like a bit of a power struggle, right? Where I don't, I don't, I think of Anthony Lynn would have probably rather t selected Isaiah Simmons or one of the tackles. Maybe. And I think he really wants to give Tyrod a chance. He, him and uh, Tyrod go back to Buffalo together. Like, they, they, they have a relationship there. And, you know, I think Tyrod is not a, is not a bum. Like, Tyrod Taylor is, is one of those guys that fits the mold of what we were talking about of having a good backup quarterback. Yeah. And I don't think Herbert beating him out is easy. Like, Tyrod Taylor, he's not washed. He's not bad. Right. Like, He's a so bad. He's been in this situation before, right? Yeah. Handing the baton to Baker Mayfield in Cleveland. Like, that has happened after yeah. the Bills probably further than he's ever had. And, and this situation, he'll have better skill position, you know, receivers and weapons than Tyra Taylor has ever had in his mm -hmm. career. So I get, I get it. Like, give him the old college try. I also yeah. agree with you. I think he will be on the center. I know we only got a couple of minutes left, but what about in that Dolphins situation, okay? Ryan Fitzpatrick is a heavy favorite to start to a plus 370. Now, I understand the rehab, and I understand how Fitzmagic can, you know, spin magic early in the season, and he's, he has a history of doing that. But same theory. You don't dra uh, draft to a number five overall if he is healthy and he's trying to prove yeah. what he is and don't run him out there, right? I'm – so confused by the odds. So I first saw this. I took a screenshot of it. It was plus 300 uh, at the time for Tua. Yeah. And then I went back to it and I saw it went down to 200. I'm like, yeah, it sounds about right. Like, people should be catching up to this. There's no way this makes any sense. And now the fact that it's gone the other way, I don't know if I've missed some massive report that everybody else is reading. What are we – like, Fitzpatrick does not fit the things that we talked about with Tyrod Taylor. I get it. He beat the Pats week 17. But, like – He's not in his prime. He's there to mentor Tua Tungavailoa. Yeah. That's the guy. That's the guy. Kevin, for me, it's just the week one bet, right? And 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 I sure, think that sure. specifically because these guys are not going to get together for rookie mini camps or OTAs. These teams are not coming together in the month of June. You know what I mean? And I think that may put these rookies a little bit more behind the eight ball in terms yeah. of soaking it all up. Right. Mm -hmm. and, and I think that could mean that for some of these situations, instead of week one, we see more like we saw in New York last year where yeah. midseason there's a baton pass. Like we saw in Washington last year where midseason there's a baton pass. Like we saw in Denver last year where even late in the season there is a baton pass. I think Tua is ultimately, of course, the guy. Ryan Fitzpatrick is not their answer. But mm -hmm. I think the context and conditions we're in have a little bit more to do with it uh, for this year. Yeah, I'll add this quickly. I think that I'd love to know who they're supposed to play week one because I do think that that sometimes can factor in to the decision being made. And if it's in, if it's a tough road game, yeah, I'd rather throw Fitz out there. I mean, let's not forget Savage, 
started that first game, and I think Watson replaced him by the half. So it's a good point. It's the starting quarterback week one. Yeah, at least, you know, read the fine print on the bets. And you talk about the schedule being released. We're going to hear about that in the next couple of weeks as well. Remember, we know the opponents, and we know home road. We just don't know the sequence. But I'll tell you this, Kevin. Take a check at it. When teams go into Miami in September, they don't do so well early in the season when it's still hot. But then again, we don't know if games will be played in September or later in the season. We'll continue to talk about it from the upside of the break. It's in game live. Dane and Kevin come right back. DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build an optimized lineup for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And guess what? So are we. Just in case you forgot, I'm Tori Deal. I'm a six-time finalist and a Challenge champion. And I'm Anissa Ferrer, and I've been gracing your screens for the last two decades. I am a veteran challenger and Challenge All-Star. And speaking of All-Stars, All-Stars 4 is finally here. I'm going to be honest. I literally thought this day was never going to come. Well, the challenge gods have answered our prayers and we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, redemption seekers, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. Anyone can win, relationships matter, and only one all-star will claim the title of challenge champion. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed up. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, welcome back, everybody. Game Game Live right here on the board today. Dave Martinez and Kevin Walsh taking you around how to make a little bit of money, eh, how we did make a little bit of money in the NFL draft, what we thought were the big takeaways, and how to spin it forward to win a little bit more. Uh, in our future. So let me ask you this, okay? We've talked a little bit about some of the headlines, some of the big moves, obviously the premier position in the NFL. Let me start with a kind of open-ended question for you, Kevin. Who do you think had the best draft? If I had to ask you which team do you think really accomplished all their goals or made themselves a lot better uh, based on last weekend's activities, who would that be? Man, I think I think Arizona Cardinals jump out to me quite a bit. Um, you know, they took Isaiah Simmons at eight, and I think to some degree uh, they probably didn't think he'd be there. Uh, I thought that the Panthers would select him if he was available at seven. They went down Brown. And 
Isaiah Simmons completely fits the mold of the type of players uh, that they have been drafting, these hybrids. Remember, they tried it with Hassan Reddick um, before Buda Baker. And Isaiah Simmons coming into that defense is, is something that I'm, I'm very, very high on Isaiah Simmons as a player. The only con to that pick was that offensive tackle was a bigger need. And Isaiah Simmons was more of a luxury pick. And they proceeded to make maybe the best value pick that anyone made in this full draft with Josh Jones at at 72, okay, in the third round. That's a starting tackle. That's a first-round caliber player that they got with their next pick. And I think on that alone, I, I was blown away. I mean, if you then factor in that Hopkins is kind of a part of this draft for them, and uh, they even – yeah, they got, they got some nice value late. Rashad Lawrence out of LSU, the interior defensive lineman. Fisherman pick as well. Yeah, I, I really, really was impressed with what Arizona came away with. I, I tell you right now, like I saw people talking because now we're entering the New World 7 uh, playoff teams. And, uh, All right. Someone was like, wow, I think the NFC West legitimately could be – the whole NFC West could be in the playoffs. Now, that's a lot. That's a lot. And I don't know if I'm ready to go that far, but I'm very, very impressed with what Arizona has done, man. I really, really like their draft. So let me ask you this because I'm, I'm high on Arizona as well. I've been saying it on this network for a while. I think they could be that team that takes a step forward second year under Cliff Kingsbury and Kyler Murray, you know, getting DeAndre Hopkins. And, yes, Kevin, I do consider DeAndre Hopkins as part of the Cardinals draft in the same way I consider Minka Fitzpatrick part of the Steelers draft or, you know, of course, Buckner uh, as part of the Colts draft. So, Stephon Diggs as part of the Bills draft. So, absolutely, I hear you. And let me tell you this, the Arizona Cardinals now, you can go over to our friends at FanDuel, and they have the yes-no to make the playoffs, right? And I think there's another part of this. Uh, Kevin, that, you know, seven teams make playoffs in each conference this year, right? As Assuming they do actually play uh, 16 games and what have you. Remember, they have expanded the playoffs, so seven teams make it. Yeah. Kevin, you can get the Arizona Cardinals to make the playoffs at plus 260 right now. I think their win total as well is still at seven. Um, and they're still, you know, the last choice in that division. And I got to tell you something. I'm worried that the, the Los Angeles Rams take a step backwards. I can see the Cardinals getting out of the basement. I can see them being French playoff contenders. If you wanted to bet the Cardinals, um, Kevin, how would you do it? On their win total? Yes, no playoffs? Maybe a couple shekels to even win the division? Uh, how would you play it? Yeah, I, I, think, I think the win total is, is definitely a, a good way to go about it. Um, right, because you're looking basically for them to get to 500, with which is enough to where they can still miss the playoffs, but you can still cash that prop, right? I think eight and eight is far from some type of lock to get you into the postseason. Obviously, you know, yours depending, but uh, last year would not have been enough to get you into the playoffs, even with the NFC East struggles. The Eagles were still at nine and seven, so I think over on the win total, and I think one of the big things. Um, is like if you have a belief in the Cardinals, it all has to start with Kyler Murray. Ah, and yes. I know that. I mean, one. Kyler, Kyler Murray is, you know, right. You know, I know you, you always are plugged into the fantasy world, um, climbing up the, the quarterback ranks. I top five fantasy, it all obviously depends, but to me, you know, this is one, Kevin, 26 to one to be the NFL MVP, 26 look, to one. This is this is the thing for me. Um, you know, I, I feel very, very fortunate that I somewhat came up through the fantasy world. Now, not it, um, kind of in my earlier days with, with the network as an intern and learning from the guys at this network. And I think that there is sometimes a stigma. People almost look down on fans and say, oh, they don't know real sports. And I think all of those people are clowns. I, I, will, I, like, I think they are absolutely out of their mind. There is nobody that knows more on a consistent basis than – than the fantasy guys. It's the same it's, data, right? It's the same numbers. It's the same thing, indicators that we're looking at. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And to me, if Kyler Murray, because we all, like, MVP is a quarterback award for the most part. And if Kyler Murray has the potential, now you can tell me, I don't know if you've done rankings yet or if you have an idea, but if I'm not mistaken, Kyler Murray is likely a top five quarterback in, by, by a lot of fantasy rankings. Yep, yep. So 26 to one to win MVP, if that team somehow wins the NFC West. And I understand that that is a lot to ask because the Niners went to the Super Bowl. But Kyler Murray has as good a chance to win the MVP then. At 26 to 1, that like that's a nice little sprinkle that I am totally up for. 
All right, fair enough. So listen, it seems like the Arizona Cardinals are a team to keep an eye on in the NFC. I want to give you a team, Kevin, that um, has some of the same things going for it and I think had a really good draft in the AFC, including a win total in the seven, seven and a half range. Also, a second-year quarterback. I'm looking at the Denver Broncos. I think they had a ridiculous draft, Kevin. Honestly, like they are shoving all in for me in support of the second-year kid, Drew Locke, right? They get Jerry Judy, whether they thought he'd still be there on the board as the second wide receiver off. It was Ruggs who went first. You could have gotten a little bit of a surprise uh, plus money on that bet. But to me, though, Kevin, their second-round pick of K.J. Hamler just doubles up on it for them, right? This is a guy you put in the slot. You have the emerging Cortland Sutton already. You went out and got Melvin Gordon in the offseason. And then, you know... People maybe don't think about fourth-round picks much, but, but you know, Kevin, they get Albert O um, at the tight end, and I know they already have Noah Fant, but Albert O went to Missouri where his quarterback was Drew Locke. So they are getting them back together. I think this is very interesting. Mm-hmm. I think John Elway and, and the Denver Broncos are sort of like shoving all in with Drew Locke as this guy who maybe can, in fact, lead them to the promised land. I'll tell you one thing. He has no excuses. And you have to think with Vic Fangio as the head coach from the kind of defensive-minded coach, they'll still be okay on that side of the ball. I like the fact that they went all in to give all the bells and whistles to the ascending mm-hmm. lock. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, that's the thing, right? Like, they have as high a floor, I feel like, as any team on the defensive side of the ball that you could ask for. With enough talent and Vic Fangio combined and also playing in Denver, which is a very, very difficult place to win. And they have offensively given Drew Locke all you could ask for. I came away impressed in the reps that Drew Locke took under center for Denver. We know that the quarterback leap in year two is usually a substantial one for the guys that are going to be good. I think this is a great time to, to get in on Denver. And I love that. Uh, you know, they weren't bashful. They took Jerry Judy no problem, and they were like, yeah, the, the wide receiver class is really good. Let's capitalize on it, and let's also add K.J. Hamler. And I, and they also have Cortland Sutton, one of the more forgotten moves of the offseason, even if maybe they overpaid a little bit. Nevertheless, he's still a good player, Melvin Gordon. Yeah. Like, I, I think there's a lot to like with that Denver team, and I think one of the things – it's sometimes difficult, and, and, I, and I found myself in this trap last year, I think, a little bit as well – is when you like a team, you go, oh, but can they win the division? And if the answer is no, you'll ah. talk yourself out of it. Right. And it's really hard because the Chiefs are in this division. And the, it's hard to think of anybody other than the Chiefs coming out of the AFC West. But, again, we just talked about it. The field is so open. You don't need to win your division to make the playoffs or to be 500 and cash a win total. I like the Denver pick a lot. So let's, let's play the same game we just played with the Arizona Cardinals, sure. right? Denver Broncos, win total stands at seven and a half. They're uh, yes, no to make the playoffs. Yes, plus 162. And then, like you said, they are in that division in the AFC West where you have the defending super there. But if for some reason you think Patty Mahomes will tear his ACL this year, then you can get the Denver Broncos at 11-1. to They are the third choice in that division. The Chargers are second at 7-1. Broncos 11-1 the Las Vegas Raiders at 12 to one. If you agree with me that Denver has taken a step forward, where would you bet with the Broncos? Yeah, I'd aim towards that win total. Again, I think eight and eight's very, very achievable. I think, you know, even the Cardinals number you threw out for make the playoffs was not as, um, I thought, I thought it'd be a little bit more uh, meat on the bone there. And I guess we're already kind of seeing the impact of there being seven slots now available. Like, plus 162, I know it's not 50-50, but it's like 60-40. And I feel like if I if I polled 100 people, will the Denver Broncos make the playoffs next year? I don't think 40 say yes. So I don't know if, my, if, that, if that plus 162 is as good a value as I would like. Now, I know FanDuel is, and again, you always have to, you know, be able to protect against your buck. Um, I don't have it in front of me, but I know sometimes, like, they won't be scared to have eight teams at a minus price, even with only seven slots available. So that obviously can play into uh, play into the whole thing as well. But I think that over seven and a half for Denver is something that I would be interested in. All right, so I gave you Denver. You gave out Arizona. I know I got one other one in me, but what about mm-hmm. – Give me one more team where you liked what they did, 
um, and you think they are, you know, more prepared for battle and that you would, you know, maybe be interested in them in some of these futures markets we're talking about. Who do you like that they did last weekend? So my never ending tour to prove that I am an unbiased journalist continues as I once again, football giants, their credit. Okay. I, I just loved everything they did. It's one of these things where like them not doing something stupid really, really won me over. And at four, like they kind of went above and beyond that. Again, we talked about kind of being able to confuse people, what they would do. And they were able to do that. I like the Andrew Thomas pick. I think Xavier McKinney was one of the 20 best players in this draft class. And they got him at 36. I even really liked the Matt Pert selection. Now that's more of a long-term project, but I had, you know, one of the, 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 I, I can't recommend it enough, man. Like the people that you trust in sports, the people like, whether it be friends, whatever it might be, Try and talk to them about things because randomly something will click and you'll be like, oh, and you'll have an idea. So I was having a conversation with my brother and he was like, yeah, man, I just want the Giants like next year when they're in the draft. I just don't want them to be in the same spot as the Jets where we they desperately needed an offensive tackle, but also desperately needed that number one option. I want them to be able to just kind of be able to focus on one thing wherever they might land in the draft. Okay. And then I kind of started talking it out to him and I go, they're even further ahead than that because one, they have Andrew Thomas right now, but two, their wide receiver core is pretty good. And they made some nice moves throughout, I, I, I would say, you know, the defensive side of the ball during this offseason. Right. I, I mean, I, I don't know if I, if I, you know, I know some of it had to do with the Jets' schedule. Look, but that team finished 7-9. and nine, And I would say that this year's Giants is a better roster than the roster that the Jets walked into the season with last year. And I'm, I, I'm finding myself a, a bit higher on the Giants. And Now, I don't know if that necessarily, again, means that they make the playoffs. But I – I think that the Giants can find themselves going over a win total and, and having a nice season in year two of Danny Dimes. That's very interesting. I like what you're talking about in terms of that they addressed the right position groups, right? They had, they wanted to go after the offensive linemen. They did so, and they kind of doubled and tripled down on it throughout the draft. They also had a need in the secondary. They had McKinney staring at them in the second round. Then they doubled down, get a cornerback in the fourth round. They also continue to have that need at linebacker. You talked about how they addressed it with, you know, former Packers in the offseason. Blake Martinez among them, and they continue to do that in the draft. I I'm not as bullish on them overall, though, Kevin. So how are you betting on them? Their win total, I believe, stands at six or six and a half. You think they get above that number? Yeah, I definitely think they can get to seven. I, I, my, my lone concern, not lone, but my, my biggest concern is I don't love the idea of betting on a rookie head coach. Right. And Joe Judge is a rookie head coach and then some, right? right? Like nowhere near the experience that you would – kind of anticipate for a guy who's supposed to lead the reins and that would be my hesitation but again we're talking about a much lower total of of six six and a half for a rookie head coach which makes it for me a bit more digestible but I just and look a lot of it's going to come down to to what Daniel Jones is able to do but I think they've given him and we we talked about it with Drew Locke uh, I think that they've given him a very comparable set of weapons you know, depending on how you evaluate the offensive line versus wide receiver positions, um, maybe even better in, in New York. And I think the defense made some nice additions. And, hey, if they steal Jadavion Clowney, who still sits out there. Oh, you never know. I was going to say there are still some big fish to be had out there in that pond. It is not done yet. Listen, you know, Kevin, one team that – and with Aaron Rodgers still there, you need to go all in if you think you are close – one team that I think did that was the Indianapolis Colts, Kevin. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they had Phillip Rivers in here now, right? And they, they got a defense. They have the offensive line. I think they were the right kind of team to go out and get quote-unquote weapons, and that's exactly what they did, right? Michael Pittman and Jonathan Taylor, I think, are the perfect complement to this offensive style. Pittman is already uh, getting comparisons to Vincent Jackson, former wide receiver Phillip Rivers has had. I think about Mike Williams as well. You know, Phillip Rivers throwing it up. And the Colts didn't really have that taller, lankier wide receiver. T.Y. Hilton is a much more precise route runner. So I like adding Pittman to the mix. And then Jonathan Taylor behind this offensive line in a committee with Marlon Mack and Naheem Hines. Now listen, Kevin, if you talk about the AFC, I understand it has to start with Kansas City and Baltimore. But when I'm trying to find value, I think the Colts 
can be one of those teams. They are now the favorite in the AFC South at plus 135. And as I look at the AFC, these Indianapolis Colts are the fourth choice now behind the Patriots even, which I think is interesting. At 11-1, to this might be a team that I am willing to go more than just the division, but I really think they improved themselves in Indy. Yeah, I'll tell you what, you know, one of the best things that you can do um, is kind of go back to the previous year expectations right. and kind of compare. Philip Rivers in for Andrew Luck. That, and the thing is, when Andrew Luck was meant to be the quarterback, a lot of people thought that the Colts could make it out of the AFC. A lot of people. Team. Yep. Yeah, so I, I think now, look, I, personally, I wasn't over the moon about the Taylor pick just because I think that Marlon Mack was good enough. But Jonathan yeah. Taylor is going to be great. And I love the Michael Pittman pick. And you, we've talked about it. DeForest Buckner is also a part of this equation. It just comes down to Phillip Rivers. It's entirely going to come down to that. And I'm torn on where I want to land on Phillip Rivers. But I think overall, this is a this is still a very, very good roster that he's playing with in Indianapolis. And I love Frank Reich as a head coach. I think yeah. there's a lot to work with there. Re- reuniting with Frank Reich will certainly help. All right, we'll talk about it some more. Hour number one in the books. Hour number two of In-Game Live, Dane and Kevin, right here on Sports Break. Come on back and we'll get to it. Come on. DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build an optimized lineup for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And guess what? So are we. Just in case you forgot, I'm Tori Deal. I'm a six-time finalist and a Challenge champion. And I'm Anissa Ferreira, and I've been gracing your screens for the last two decades. I am a veteran challenger and Challenge All-Star. And speaking of All-Stars, All-Stars 4 is finally here. I'm going to be honest. I literally thought this day was never going to come. Well, the challenge gods have answered our prayers and we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, redemption seekers, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. Anyone can win, relationships matter, and only one all-star will claim the title of challenge champion. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slam dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is 
finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast to start listening.